0: Hello, Texas fans. This is the Longhorn Confidential for Thursday, October 1st. I'm Danny Davis, the Austin American Statesman. As always, I'm joined by Mike Craven. Mike, say hello to the people. How's it going, everybody? Mike, kind of like we did last week, we're going to start off with some news. We have a commitment to talk about. Last Friday, Texas received a commitment from Max Morell, the 2021 offensive lineman from Strake Jesuit, three-star, 6'4", 275. Uh, What kind of recruit is Max, and how excited should UT fans be that he's about to be a Longhorn?
1: Yeah, definitely an under the radar offensive lineman. You know, by this time in the cycle, if you're following or recruiting, you know Texas struggled to get offensive linemen. It was a big uh, loaded class of offensive linemen in 2021 uh, going into the cycle. It felt like Texas, you know, had some big fish there, right? The Brockemeyer twins, uh, Savion Bird, Bryce Foster. Uh, they got a commitment from Hayden Connor early, uh, but then it kind of fell apart from there. So at this point, right now, you know, not that these players are less than right. But on the pecking order, on the recruiting board uh, this is a little bit further down than where Texas thought they were going to have to go Uh, credit coach Herb hand for, you know, finding some guys under the radar. And, you know, as we'll talk about in a little bit, sometimes those guys that you find under the radar do as well, if not better than, you know, those headliner groups at that position offensive line is a tough one uh, to grade. So, you know, I think for Texas, this is one of those, you know, you, you see something you like in them, you know, and for Max, that's being able to play tackle and guard. So that gives you a little bit of uh, positional versatility, even a uh, Derek Kerstedt, or Maybe he could play some center or something like that down the road. Um, and you stash him for a year or two, uh, maybe even three, let him really learn uh, the position, get bigger, get stronger. And maybe down the line, you insert him in, into the starting lineup or at least into the two deep.
0: Yeah, going off that, um, you know, when Tom Herman came in 2017, he only had two offensive linemen in that transition class. And there was that was Sam Cosme, Derek Kerstetter. Both were flips. Both were three-star recruits. Zach Shackelford, who was a four-year starter at center, also a three-star from, recruit from up there in Belton. So you look at those three, I don't think any Texas fans will complain about the contributions that those three offensive linemen, Zach's obviously in the NFL now, um, made for the Longhorns all three-star guys. Is it just tough to grade offensive linemen? Um, is it that tough to tell what a three-star recruit is as opposed to a five-star recruit? Is it just tough to gauge that? Because, like you said, these guys are going to come to Texas. And, you know, when Max Morell, the, the recruit that comes in in 2021, is not going to look the same as he does when he's, you know, actually playing in 2023 after they get that red shirt and get some weight on him and get him in the system. Is it just tough to kind of grade these guys, what they look like in high school?
1: Yeah, I don't think there's a position with a bigger difference in skill set from what it takes to be dominant in high school and what it takes to be dominant in college. You know, in, in a high school, you know, most of these guys are bigger and stronger than pretty much everybody that they're facing all year long. And so they can just dominate pull uh, fully on strength size, just kind of bully, you know, kids that aren't D1 athletes out of the way or whatever. Um, you know, once in college, you're you're transforming your body. You're getting muscles, you're, you know, strength training, all that kind of stuff. It takes a year or two uh, to really contribute as an offensive lineman for a reason. It's a big step up, more so uh, than wide receiver, cornerback, even quarterback and stuff like that. The skills and what's needed just from a physical standpoint, you don't really have at 16, 17 years old. And these are bigger guys. We haven't really seen how their body's going to fill out, how they lose that baby fat. Um, And so there's a lot of variables, I think, uh, for the offensive line. Uh, that does not exist uh, for other positions, you kind of know how fast a wide receiver is going to be, right? You kind of know how uh, you know good a quarterback is going to be in terms of like how they can throw the ball and stuff like that. You don't know how a 17-year-old, you know, 6'5", 300-pound kid is going to look in three or four years, just how his body develops naturally and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think it's just a tough position to find. You try to get as many good guys on campus as possible in hopes that you find – you know, five to seven of them you can roll with, but it's an inexact science all across the board. It's especially true at offensive line.
0: Going back to something you were mentioning earlier, um, Texas now has three offensive line commits in this 2021 class. Hayden Connor is kind of the star when you're talking about star ratings, A star rankings, a four-star uh, recruit who's been in the in the mix for a while. But plain and simple, since this was a lineman-rich class, and I don't want to what I'm about to say I don't want to you know, make it sound like I'm speaking poorly of these of these recruits but is this an L for Herb Hand in Texas since their you know offensive linemen in this class are going to be a four star and two three star and what was supposed to be just a great offensive line class um is this something that you know Herb, Herb is going to regret down the road or is this just, just it is what it is?
1: yeah i mean i you know who knows if he's going to regret it down the road right we don't know how the guys are going to develop uh but on paper yeah i mean i think even you know given true serum i think even the coaches at texas would say so right i mean you go into a cycle uh with you know two two players time brockemeyer is a five-star left tackle whose older brother is on campus and dad you know started at texas all that kind of stuff to not get him i think is huge and then you add in that he has a twin brother who's a really good center prospect so those are those are two big losses right there. And I think as soon as Texas lost uh, the Brockermeyer Twins, it was always going to feel disappointing to Texas fans. Now, that doesn't need to be the definition of this class, right? In three or four years, we could look back and that not be as huge of a deal as it feels like. But it is okay to admit that from a recruiting standpoint, uh, Texas did not do as well in this class at offensive line as they would have thought they were going to do if we uh, asked them about a year ago off the record
0: one thing that definitely stood out to me when I was when this news came down um, last Friday kind of surprised me was the fact that the commitment was made in the first place Um, with the NCAA granting that extra year of eligibility because of um, the coronavirus pandemic and you know a lot of players kind of getting the short the short shift um, with with this season um, I was surprised that Texas was still going after 2021 commits because it would seem that if a lot of players are able to stay for an extra year and you're bringing in more and more players, it seems like a bigger and bigger roster. Um, was it odd to you that Texas is still recruiting and maybe they're not you know, trying to get 40 extra more prospects in this class, but is it surprising to you that Texas is still trying to fill some spots in this 2021 class?
1: Yeah, I I think uh, in today's world, right, when you have the transfer portal and all that kind of stuff, you just got to, you know, rejuvenate and replenish the roster, and you kind of just worry about the other stuff later. You know, just because guys are given an extra year of eligibility uh, doesn't mean they stick around, especially if they're not starters. You know, guys graduate from college and want to move on. Not everybody wants to do graduate school and stuff like that. So, you know, I think uh, if you're a coach, you know, it's kind of, you know, one in hands better than, you know, two you can't see type of situation. So I, I think it's, you take it, uh, you you know, you evaluate, you do what you would normally do. And at a school like Texas ninth like they're going to have a hard time paying for the scholarships as it shakes out. So I think you fill the roster the way you can. And uh, depth is the most important thing, especially at that position.
0: That was my second point. And granted, you know, Texas is Texas, that's always going to be a draw. But would Texas's deep pockets, would that actually hurt them possibly in recruiting in this upcoming class? Because, you know, my explanation or my reasoning for that is if you're a recruit coming in with this 2021 class and Texas is able to afford to keep some of their players who you know, may have graduated or may have moved on, but now they can, you know, come back for an extra year, could an opposing coach use that against them? Be like, hey, you know, you can play immediately here. We had to say tough luck to our guys. It's a tough break, and they're moving on. But now, you know, there's going to be an extra – whole another extra class that you have to fight for for playing time. Could that possibly be used against Texas that, you know, Texas could possibly, you know, keep some of their guys? Because you saw that with the spring sports. Yeah, Texas gave their softball players, gave their baseball players who wanted to stick around an extra year. But not all colleges did that. Some of them just said, you know, Wisconsin maybe being the most – most known you know tough break but you know that's just not going to happen here could that be used against texas yeah you know, i think football may be the sport that's most immune to this just
1: because it takes a little while to get on the field typically you know those guys that are going to go in and play that first year or even play those first two years are typically you know really good players with a lot of options and i feel like most of those options will be schools like texas you know where they can you know pay for that kind of stuff and everything like that Um it will be interesting though. I mean, I don't, I haven't really thought about that and I wouldn't rule it out. Right. Like uh, if you think you can go start at a school like Wisconsin, if Wisconsin was to, you know, choose to do that or whatever. Uh, yeah. You know, I guess that would uh, be a, a tempting point or a tempting uh, situation because players do look at depth charts already. You know, I mean, you could go back to any class previous to this pandemic uh, depth chart is up there, you know, in terms of uh, coaching, Uh, campus life playing time you know i think those are kind of the the three things recruits mention the most uh with the amount of roster or with the amount of scholarship players that are going to be on the roster playing time is going to be even trickier to come by early on uh so yeah it could benefit schools uh that have fewer scholarship players because there's keeping guys around and it could benefit texas let's say if they have four or five guys you know declare early for the nfl drafts so you know it could go either way in terms of you know, the premier school is being able to pay for it. But also, their guys are leaving school a little bit earlier to go, you know, play in the NFL draft. Like Sam Mellinger, for example, probably not going to stick around with a good senior year, even though he could, uh, because there's greener pastures out there. I think schools like Texas will have more of those guys kind of leaving and it'll have a natural cycle, whereas, you know, my school at UTSA. Why would you leave if you're a guard who's a center, right? Just take another year. So I, I think those are kind of some things we're going to all learn about this
0: offseason. Now, high school recruits already have 4,000 different things that they have to worry about um, during this process. I'm wondering, you know, from the guys you were talking to, the recruits you, you've heard from, the coaches you've heard from, is this extra year of eligibility? Is this, a t- is this something that's being considered? Is that just something that the, you know, these guys are – maybe that's – the fourth or fifth thing that they're, that they're worried about, and maybe not something that they're talking to coaches or talking to their uh, friends about every day.
1: Yeah, I don't think it's up there right now, just because I don't know if anybody knows how to talk about it. And, you know, it's so unknown, and there's so many variables, and, and none of us really know how it's going to completely shake out. That it's hard to really compare notes because you know nobody can give you a definitive way to look at it. You can't really go get a bunch of different opinions because there's just not any that are educated out there. Because this simply never happens. So I think you stick to what you know, what you're used to, what the normal stuff on the recruiting trail is, and just know that everybody's playing under a weird set of rules. And, you know, you're all just going to have to kind of be a little bit flexible, a little bit moldable, and just kind of go with the flow. And you just go ahead and make your decision based on where you think you should be for four or five years, kind of let the dominoes, you know, play. Now, of course, it's somewhere in their head. Of course, it's part of the of the decision process, but I don't think it's one uh, that's, you know, super discussed uh, amongst peers and stuff like
0: that. Now, you were at AT&T Stadium this past weekend um, to see some good football. You got to see Denton Ryan's uh, you know, stack team, uh, you, know, you know, win a game over Arlington Martin. After the game, you caught up with Texas commit Billy Bowman. Uh, we're going to play that audio in a second, just kind of hear what Billy has to say about uh, you know, his current season and also teaming up with Jatavian Sanders, his current teammate at Texas uh once the 2021 class gets to campus.
1: Here with Billy Bowman, Bowman from Denton Ryan. Uh, I guess just how does it feel to kind of get that first game out of the
2: way after such a turbulent offseason? Uh, it felt great. Uh, the team was so explosive, and you just got a little glimpse of it tonight, but uh, it was a great team win. How good is that defense?
1: I mean, you look everywhere. There's a D1 guy there, just like, I mean, how, how much do you all push each other? How much do
2: you all feed off each other? Uh, we 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 work really hard in practice. I mean, we feed off every single person on the on the defense. I mean, nobody wants to be outworked, and we all pushing each other in practice. And that's when it pays off is in the game. Uh, you guys, you know, you and Jatavion, you know, going to the same school, are you know playing right now. Kind of, how much do y'all kind
1: of uh, talk about the future and, and that kind of stuff?
2: Uh, I mean, we don't talk about the future really that much. I mean. We just put in a new saying uh, for our school, it's called one. And so we try to take it one game at a time, one play at a time, and stuff like that. But, I mean, it's great playing alongside a dude like that and get to go to the same college as him. How much better could y'all play? I mean, y'all have some plays out there and still beat a really good team. So uh, how much room for improvement is still there? Uh, we still have a lot of room for improvement. We're, uh, we're not finished yet. We still have unfinished business. Uh, I can only speak for myself, but uh, I got to do a better job with – being more hydrated. I mean, I drink a lot of water. That's all I drink. But, I mean, obviously I got to do better because I started cramping up. Uh, came second half.
1: How hard is it to play both ways and kind of have
2: that on your body and stuff like that? I mean, how much, how much do you really need practice and two a day, that kind of stuff, to get there? I'm not going to lie. It's hard. You got you to do a lot of the stuff correctly. You got to practice hard, which I do. I mean, I'm running the whole time during practice. I pro- I'll probably run five miles a day in practice. But, I mean... It pays off in the game. The game comes really slow to me. I just got to stay hydrated and keep my body up to pace. Have you kind of decided where you want to play long term, or is that something you'll worry about kind of later? Or do you
1: already kind of have a spot that you think you're going to go?
2: No, uh, not right now. I don't, uh, I'm not 100% sold on either or. Uh, and then what was it about Texas that just ultimately made you comfortable enough to kind of make that decision so soon? Uh, the coaches, the the relationship I had with them, was a relationship I had no, with nobody else. And then also, it's the University of Texas, so can't get much better than that.
0: All right, man, I appreciate it. Okay, Mike, we've talked about this before in this podcast, and it seemed like Billy was kind of, uh, you know, not willing to commit to one or the other at, at the current moment, but do you think his future is on offense, you know, maybe as a slot receiver, or defense, uh, becoming the next member of the DBU family? I think it's safety. Now, I think he's somebody
1: who Texas tries to use occasionally on offense and in the return game. He's, just, he's that good with the ball in his hands. Um, but he's more consistent defensively. I don't know if he's a natural ball catcher. You know, you watch somebody like Jordan Wedding and Jake Smith in high school, and they were just naturally good with the ball in the air and stuff like that. Billy kind of fights a little bit. He has some drop passes every now and then. So I think safety is where his long-term future is. Uh, but, like he mentioned, you know he doesn't know yet, and if he doesn't know and isn't willing to say, out, oh, ah, I think it's still you know something he's he's discussing in his brain or with his dad and you know kind of with the Texas coaches
0: Now should texas fans should they be more excited about Billy Bowman or his teammate Jatavian Sanders, or is that like asking a parent to uh you know, pick between uh their favorite kid because both guys are you know, like you said really highly rated, and you know they're they're both going to contribute once they once they get to the 48ers.
1: Yeah, those are two those are Texas's two uh best commitments in this class. And I, I don't think it's really close there. I think those are clear, far and away, the, the two best guys um committed to, to the Longhorns in 2021. I would say Jatavion Sanders is is the more the one to be more excited about because he's probably gonna play defensive end. And anytime you can get a guy uh who's that athletic and who's that big, anytime you can get a five star defensive end they're going to make more impact theoretically than a wide receiver or a safety. So I think Sanders just by where he plays uh, is, is the one to be more excited about. And he played fantastic in that game with three touchdowns.
0: Yeah. People need to go check out your, um, your Twitter timeline, Craven Mike for at Craven Mike for that. Uh, him trucking that a poor Arlington Martin I don't know if that was a defensive back or a linebacker or whatever that was, but, I, you know, that, that kid got put on the highlight reel and I felt bad, bad for him, but that was just an incredible play by Jatavian. That was, that was something else.
2: Yeah, he's a
1: really good player. And then he added a one handed interception that he took back 66 yards. He just kind of jumped up and plucked it out of the air. I mean, he's, he's a freak. I mean, he's a really, really good football player, uh, just overly athletic for how big he is. And, It'll be interesting to see kind of where he winds up because like Billy, he can play both ways. He's an excellent wide receiver who could be a tight end H-back type guy uh, or he could, you know, be a defensive end that can get after the the pass rusher. So he's another guy who has a decision uh, facing him. And I think it's a good idea to recruit good football players. Like even if you don't know where they're going to play, you just recruit the best football players you can find. You get them on campus, you figure it out from there and you go win football games. Like I think to me, that's the most, common sense way to go about recruiting and uh, i'm glad kind of texas is taking that approach as well
0: now it isn't just billy and jatavian at denton ryan um as you wrote about this week the Denton ryan team is pretty stacked uh, i think you said eight players on their defense have power five offers and that includes barry alexander who we talked about last week um uh, in the, the ju- junior class then uh, austin jordan a defensive back who you interviewed for your dotted line column on wednesday um is Denton Ryan a legit producer of D1 talent, or is this just like a really, really good stretch for the Raider, the Raiders? Because I'm trying to, like, you know, gauge if being from Denton Ryan is important uh, when it comes to, you know, seeing a recruit on the Texas recruiting list.
1: Yeah, I think it's both. You know, I think um, this is just an abnormally good stretch for Denton. I mean, Denton ISD in general. Like Denton Guyer was in the Class 6A state championship game against Westlake last year and has – a pair of uh, seniors that are committed to A&M. So it's just a, kind of a golden age of football right now in Denton. Um, you know, I don't know how long that level lasts. You know, I don't know if you have, I guess, four seniors between those two schools committed to either Texas or Texas a and and then about six other guys going D1. And that's just right now that list is going to grow. Um, so it's probably not going to be as good, right? Talent is cyclical, uh, but it's a, a really good – place for football it's a little north of dallas and i think with how big dallas is getting in the metroplex some of that talent is bleeding more and more into places like denton Uh, and so i I don't yeah i think denton guyer and denton ryan are among those schools that can be pipeline schools for university on top of the desotos duncanville cedar hills that we know from actual dallas
0: now You also got to see Arlington Martin linebacker Maurice Blackwell, who was another Texas commit in that uh, game um, against Denton Ryan. Or just your thoughts up on him? Because, like we said, we obviously know a lot about Billy and Jatavian. But what were your thoughts on Maurice and how he played?
1: Yeah, it was a tough matchup. You know, uh, Denton Ryan was a lot better than Arlington Martin. So, um, you know, they, he was kind of just chasing a lot. But he absolutely looks the part. I mean, he's big. He's fast. Uh, He didn't look overwhelmed when trying to tackle those guys in space. You know, he looked willing and uh, aggressive and all that kind of stuff. And so a really good football player for Texas. That was my first time to see him. He wasn't able to do a ton. Like I said, I mean, didn't Ryan just kind of dominated the game. The score was even, I think it was 47-24, but it wasn't even that close. A lot of that came late in the game. So uh, probably not the best game to really, you know, grade him or, or give a scouting report on him. Uh, but absolutely, somebody that the Texas defensive coaches are excited about, and one who uh, you know looks like somebody whose best football is in front of them.
0: Uh, before we get out of here, let's make a stop at Cravens Corner, see if we can make a little money uh, with our you know and our weekly look at gambling. Um, your column will be in Thursday's paper for those who want to see this in print. It'll be on the website on Wednesday, so you know read this while listening to this podcast. But you know, first up, Texas TCU this weekend, um, Royal Memorial Stadium, eleven o'clock kickoff. Longhorns by eleven and a half right now. Uh, they were favored by something like eighteen points last week, and that went to overtime. So we kind of know, uh, uh, you know, sometimes you don't always hit those uh, spreads when it comes to these conference games. But what are your thoughts on that eleven and a half line against a TCU team that has won five of the last six games in this series, but probably is not as talented on paper as Texas?
1: Yeah, I'd imagine this kind of gets down to 10, you know, as the week goes. Maybe not all the way to 10, but I think, it, you know, this will be as high as it gets just because of the history, like you said. TCU normally does good against Texas. Uh, Max Duggan, uh, the quarterback for TCU, played really good in the second half. Uh, last week he wasn't really playing in the first half for whatever reason. Um, and so, I, you know, I think TCU – I would lean towards taking TCU in that many amount of points just because of how well they've done against Texas and uh, how bad Texas played last week. However, I do think the Longhorns play a lot better uh, this week. You know, Usually after a bad performance like that, you get a rebound effort. I don't know if being at home matters all that much in 2020. We talked about that last last week. Uh, so I'd probably lean towards the road team there in TCU in the 11-and-a-half.
0: Now, when we put together this script for this, uh, this podcast, uh, uh, we, t- we were talking about what we wanted to talk about for this gambling um, segment, and – you suggested talking about buying half points, um, you know, whether it's two and a half points to, I guess, you know, get it up to three or six and a half points to get it up to seven. So I'm going to ask you if you think that's a wise idea. Then I'm also going to ask you to explain what that means because you know, I'm a gambling novice and I have no idea.
1: Okay, so like uh, last week, that Louisville-Pittsburgh game that I was really on top of uh, had a two and a half point spread uh, towards – uh, Louisville. So Louisville was plus two and a half points. No, you can't lose by two and a half points, right? So you can buy the half point to make it three. That way, if you were to lose, it's a tie game. You lose on a last second field goal and it's plus three. You at least get your money back. So last week, uh, depending on the book, you could, have had, uh, Pittsburgh, you could have had Louisville either plus two and a half, plus three, or plus three and a half. Depending on what you had, you either lost, tied, or made money. And that's just on that point because Louisville uh, lost by three points to Pittsburgh. Exactly. And so I would suggest at all times buying the half point and rounding up to the most likely score. Uh, you know, football games clearly can be scored at any you know rate or whatever, but there are, you know, averages, right. There are numbers that you normally win or lose by. And so I say always round up, always get to those markers. That's a field goal. That's a touchdown, uh, things like that. So, Two and a half get to three points. Six and a half get to seven. If it's thirteen and a half, you can think about going to fourteen. You know, always just kind of leave yourself those options to where you're not going to be uh, beaten uh, by a half point on a likely score. Does that does that did that help at all? Was that a bad explanation?
0: I, I feel like I'm educated now. I feel like I can go uh, gamble away um, my uh, my my savings. I, I I know I know I know what I'm doing now. Um, there's, just,
1: there's nothing worse than losing by a half point. You know, mm-hmm. when you had game right in your head and all that kind of stuff, and it's just like a half point, you just want to be – you want to protect yourself uh, from those kind of uh, losses.
0: Um, speaking of wins and losses, what are your favorite bets for this uh, upcoming week? What are, what are you eyeing? Uh, I like Baylor minus three against West Virginia. We
1: talked about this last week, about this whole, like, our team's going to get points on the road and at home. West Virginia – you know, they didn't cover against Oklahoma State. I think this Baylor team uh, with uh, Brewer at quarterback is better than the Oklahoma State team with a true freshman at quarterback. So, uh, Oklahoma State beat West Virginia by more than three. I'm going to take Baylor to beat West Virginia by more than three.
0: Sounds like some good uh, good advice. We'll see who wants to follow you. Um, you know, if they want to read more about your your gambling tips and advice, like I said, your um, Craven's Corner column will be in Thursday's newspaper on com on Wednesday. So, uh, Fourteen for, to five. Look for those words right there. Like I said, Mike, uh, better winning record, better winning percentage than his Braves or my Rockies. Um, mm-hmm. Mike, um, what else are you working on this week? Obviously, you have your dotted line column that runs throughout the week. What else are you working on, and where are you going to be um, this weekend?
1: So Thursday, I'm going to Katie Taylor to watch Hayden Connor, offensive line commit. It'll be uh, you know another time to see him. I've seen him a few times since he committed so early, but go see him. Do a check in on Bryce Foster, one of the top uncommitted players in the state. Uh, and then Friday is still up in the air. Andrew Bukuba, uh set to announce on Thursday the Austin LBJ safety. If he picks Texas, may go check him out against Maynard. If not, may go to uh, Shadow Creek out in Houston. Go see Terrence Cooks, who is an outside linebacker, who uh, is an uncommitted prospect, that Texas is still after
0: It is always good to have options. Um, but that's going to wrap it up for us today. Don't forget to shoot us a review at the Apple Store or the Google Podcast app. We do appreciate that. Thanks for tuning in to us this week. Um, we'll see you again next week.